Greetings, welcome, and good day. You are now tuned into the sixth episode of the Season Bed Podcast. I'm so happy you can make it to another chapter of the show. This week, we're joined by a former Navy corpsman who was determined to leave the service with more than what she came with. Terry is a woman it's hard to get anything past. She pays attention to everything now and did when she was in the Navy. Luckily for those young sailors coming behind her, she also speaks up about it. This episode was a delight just because of how insightful Terry is. She's not the strong and silent type. She's the strong and vocal type, and that is the type that creates the path for change. Terry began her career as a single mother and ended it as a corpsman-turned-nurse, so it's safe to say she's always helping people, either with social change or with medical assistance. Since leaving the military, Terry has managed to keep working for the U.S. government in the same field of public health. But now she's doing it on a higher level, with more degrees, more certifications, more qualifications, and of course, more experience. That's why I've titled this episode, Same Job, From the Navy to the Mob. Friend, how's it going? Great. That's what's up. That's what's hey. Thank you for letting me come in your home. Thank you for inviting me here. Absolutely. For sure. You look great. Uh, how's work? <laughs> mm, it was okay. Work of a day. No, no, nothing exciting. So. Work was working. Work was work. Impatient. <laughs> look, that's the, that's what it's there for. <laughs> All right. I think you told me earlier to refer to you as Terry. Mm-hmm. All right, Terry. What is your connection to the service? I was. In active duty in the Navy. Come on. And then did several years in the Navy, used my GI Bill and all the other stuff. Get it. Got my degree. That's so what it's there for. I ended up getting out. So I still am affiliated with the government. Um, I had my dad was in the military, some of my uncles. Nice. You know, so we a military family. I was actually born at Portsmouth Naval Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> It's in your blood. It's in my, blood. <laughs> my DNA. So your dad was in the military. Was he also a Navy person? Mm-hmm. Wow. Y'all really love water in this family. Love water. <laughs> well, and it makes sense because you look hydrated. Like, okay. that skin is glowing, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was the Navy your first choice? It was my first choice because I grew up in this Hampton Roads area and Navy heavy. I mean, we do have, like, a little bit of Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, but we, it's the largest naval base in the world, so. Is it really? I'm, like, I believe you. I just, it, it really is. I didn't know that. All right. It's the largest naval base in the world. I'm getting educated, Terry. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, <laughs> being growing up, I, now I didn't do like ROTC or any of that mm-hmm. stuff, but like I said, being that I had a lot of family that was in the military and grew up in a Navy town, the Navy was my first choice. One of the main reasons for choosing the military at the time, I had a child very young and okay. I wanted to go to college, but I didn't have any money. So <laughs> it does told, cost money, doesn't it? If you go to the military, <laughs> they'll pay for you to go to school. Hey, Amen. So. That's, that's the best thing that they do. Right. <laughs> so you went to the military and now you, you use your GI Bill, huh? I, I used my job. Well, while you know, while you're in, you can do the what is it called? The tuition, tuition assistance. Yeah, so I did a lot of my prerequisites. Absolutely. And, stuff. Come on. and then once I got out, I finished using my GIB. I can use the post 911 so I can nice. get my master's and stuff too. So it was very helpful. Love it. Love it. The military didn't do anything else for me, <laughs> they helped pay for my education. That, look, that's what I'm talking about. So look, it's good for something. Yeah, look, if they're going to use me, you got to use it Amen. to your advantage. So, how do you feel about your time in uniform? Does any particular time period stand out to you? It was very interesting those several years. Um, oh, I'm sorry. How long were you in? I was in for about 10 years. Okay. Get and it. So, when I went in, originally I went in what they call undesignated, which means I didn't choose a rate. Okay. And the only reason at the time is because um, after you take the ASM and all that, I qualified for like a lot of stuff, new stuff. Right on. But they were trying to say I had to like dedicate, <laughs> give them like five, six, seven years. And I was like, I'm not doing that. For so, nukes? Yeah, for every, like a lot of stuff. Oh, for everything. Like, for different stuff that I qualified for. I was like, I'm not giving, I said, I don't know if I'm going to like it. So I said, well, what can I choose that I can take the least amount of years? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, dummy me not knowing exactly what this meant. So, oh, you can go and test me. You can. You only have to do three years minimum, so that's me. <laughs> Not really, I was going to be like, you know, the ship's janitor or whatever. Oh, but man. Basically. But so I chose to go in um, undesignated for the first three years. And then I kind of, I've always wanted to be like in the medical field. So uh-huh. once I like went to my first duty station, which was a ship, mm-hmm. um, I kind of sat down 
with my uncle, he used to be private military. We wrote down some goals and <laughs> nice. kind of mapped out what I wanted, what I thought I wanted to do going forward. I don't, I didn't think I, I didn't, I, at the time, I don't think I ever thought I was going to do a full 20 years in the military. Like it truly was a stepping stone. I wanted to go to school so yeah. I could get my degree and do what I wanted to do. But right on. And did. Indeed. And did. And very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so you spent three years as a. Undesignated. And do y'all call it non-rate? I'm from the Coast Guard. We call, uh, I think you're undesignated people. We're, we call those non-rates. It's a, it's, they call them undesignated semen. All right. So it's like an E3? E1, but, E2, well, E3. I think, yeah. By the time you get we're, to like third, second, you have to have rate. Okay. Well, uh, well, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. Even if you choose to like, because usually with uh, undesignated, it's usually like a semen rate. Like it's, so like Bosun made, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, we got those. closer with them. So sometimes... People will go in as an undesignated senior. They end up taking the Bosun route because they know it and it's just easier. Yeah, since they've so, been doing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Right. And Instead of striking out trying to do something else. Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, but I want me in a darn Bosun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious at this point. So as an undesignated person, you can always, you can be designated as like a mess cook too, couldn't you? A lot of times with the undesignated, they made us do work like cert, like six months or three to six months in like the mess hall. Yeah. And it was so funny because... I did not want to work down there. I heard nobody needs to do work. a mess cook. But that's all right. <laughs> no. But you know what? I did. I did get a chance to go do my mess time in the wardrobe. Now I love okay. that with all the offices and everything. Okay. So I mean, it still was kind of hard work, but it was much better than working in the regular mess. Yeah. It was a lot of perks and stuff. Too. <laughs> so I liked working in the wardrobe. Right. In on. their mess. Their mess. They call it mess hall. No, I know. I know. It's just that it still sounds bad. <laughs> Like, like I, I know what it is. It just it never well, sounds you good when you MS is mess specialist. Lord have mercy. <laughs> did, what did y'all call it in the Coast Guard? We call them mess cooks. Yeah, we call them mess cooks. Uh, they yeah. changed it now. They're called, in the they didn't change it for you guys? If you're like E3 or below and you're working in the kitchen, you're probably a mess cook. If you're like, if you have been to what we call A school, uh, you're probably a petty officer. And we call those uh, culinary specialists. So they Or food specialists, something like that. It's culinary specialists. So same thing okay. with, it's no MS in the Navy is culinary okay. specialists now. Like, okay. and just like, uh, they used to have SHs, ships helpers, and so like, like they changed all the names. Yeah. Somebody high up was bored and was like, we're gonna change all the names. Right. <laughs> it didn't even make it more politically correct. It, it did just, not. It just made it different. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it did not. It doesn't sound better or more Mm-mm. correct. It just sounds different. <laughs> they needed something to do. And, and they did it. And they did it. <laughs> How do you think your experience could have been improved while you were in the Navy? I just think having a little more, even though I, I, I did have family members that had been in the military, they still didn't impart that knowledge. Like if I would have known certain things, like I said, if I would have known what really an undesignated seaman would, I'm going right. to say this, I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it because I really didn't know that's what I was going to do <laughs> until it was presented to me. So at that time when you're up, you know, choosing what you're going to do, mm-hmm. They don't give you opportunity to call and say, hey, you know, what is this? Or, you know, should I do this? So I kind of like on the fly at that moment had to decide what I was going to do. And I was like, well, I just want to do three years. I don't even five, six, seven, eight years. So give me the undesignated. So I think having a little more prior knowledge yeah. of how stuff kind of works. If you truly knew your options. If truly, I think it would have it served me better, but it would serve the military better too. Because you don't right. want to put somebody somewhere or something that they hate every day. Right. Because you, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to get the most value. And that's going to kill person. your retention. Very they're, much so. They're not going to want to keep signing gonna, up if it's if they think it's just going to be bullshit the whole time. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm basically the, the ship's janitor and somebody yelling at me all the time. I can do that on my side. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then I think, too, the military, especially for minorities, especially African-Americans, if they had better mentors, yeah. they try. Like, I know over the years I've seen programs and stuff <laughs> on ships and, you know, cultural diversity. They, they, they try. Sometimes I think they just do it just to check a box. But right. if they truly had people that were, you know, a little high rank enlisted or, or officers, they can kind of, like, you know, yeah. bring the young along. So this speeds into another question. What do you wish you had known before joining the service? I think it's very political. Okay. And I've learned even active duty and just being affiliated with the military, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Wow. So <laughs> I've seen a lot of times where 
certain people in the military get certain things, not because of what they know or how good they work right. or how hard they work. It's just because of who they may be friends with or who right. it's kind of clickish in the, yeah. in the military a little bit. It's still, yes. for lack of a better phrase, the good old boy network. So. That's the correct phrase. <laughs> <laughs> that so it still, it still kind of operates that way. Yeah. And I do think that it's hard for minorities, period, black people, period, but yes. it's... It's harder for black women. Black men mm-hmm. got it hard, but black women got it even harder. And because even like when you do start to make rank in the military, from me being in the military and then knowing other people that I was and they like came officers and started mm-hmm. making rank, like they just, black women just have it so hard. I bless their hearts. You're right. You bless are correct. Bless their hearts. If you too, I guess, overly assertive, you could be considered the B word. Or if you too scary and docile, then they, you know. Are you purposely as- not saying bitch? Because like you can, you can curse here, right? <laughs> It's, it's fine. Um, I'm trying that. Oh, are you trying to be a lady? My bad. Hey, you well, be, I'm trying. So I'm, be I'm, all the lady you want to be. Working on me. Um, if you had known that you were going to be in as long as you were in, what rate would you have gone first? I would have been in medical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right on. Right on. Had I known, and I probably would have, you know, progressed and made rank yeah. a lot faster. You probably would have stayed in longer too. And I, yeah, I probably would have stayed in because some of my friends that like were on my my first command or. First or second command, a lot of them they ended they didn't. I'm saying like a couple of them became nurses, went through the um, officer program. Mm-hmm. A couple of them senior chief master, you know, they yeah. made rank and stuff. So yeah, but they kind of when they came in, they already chose their rate. So okay, they had their minds made up. Yep, got you. Tell me about a time when you experienced something either good or bad, and you know that experience happened because you are a black woman, either good or bad. Hmm. Well, I'm going to say, like, it, it was just little things that I noticed, especially when being undesignated, being on a ship, there were instances where, because it was more Caucasian people. There's more white people. Gotcha. Right. But anyway, there were instances like, say, something as simple as... Terry, you are really correct, Terry. Like, you are... I, run, I'm going to be PC. Run for office. No, Because no. they'll, make, they'll make you come out of character and not be PC. But they, um, like, something as simple as, like, I remember trying to... I wanted to put in for leave for like my birthday. I wanted special liberty or something. Mm-hmm. And mine got denied. And the reason that I was given was because it, you know, you can't have special liberty for your birthday. I'm like, well, this Caucasian boy, white boy, just what? did it last week and for the exact same reason. And we the same. I don't, I'm not understanding why right, I can't. Right. What's, what's going on? So because of my personality, <laughs> I went to go see the division officer or whatever, and I'm like, can you explain to me, <laughs> sir, why mine got denied and his did not, right. you know, when it's the same thing. Right. Same amount of time, we the same, like, everything is the same except for right. he's a white man and I'm a black woman. Right. And so I think the guy, which happened to be an African-American officer, male, oh. okay. he got very frustrated with me, and so he just said, you know what, here you go. He just signed it and threw it across the table and said, get out of his office. Wow. So... Mm-hmm. so. No, it's all good. It's all good. I told her. Look, you're a person. You got <laughs> stuff to do. Thank, thank you so, for taking the time, Terry. And I'm sorry that brother was an asshole. But I don't even think it was him specifically. I just think it was just the structure. It was just the, the it's just how the military is. It, I really do think that's just how it was. Don't blame his shitty attitude on <laughs> well, that too. On the military. But I just think when I say that, I mean it's systematic racism. Just does not stay in the civilian sector. It's you're right. Military too. But you are absolutely the same people right. that's in the civilian sector go into the military. So you still experience that same type of race i think it's worse in the military because if you are of a lower rank or whatever you feel like and a lot of times you don't have any recourse right or if you do try to you know do something or expose something then you know it's retaliation towards you and Mm -hmm. affects your career and stuff so Mm -hmm. i think you know racism in the military is is a little harder or even sexism being a woman right certain things happen to us that you know hell it's almost normalized right i've experienced that too as a woman so yeah yeah military very much so. It's overlooked. Uh, it's brushed under the table. And if you say something, you not that what happened to you is wrong or the person that did you wrong. You're wrong for even saying anything. Right. You're a dirtbag. You should have right. said anything. <laughs> so now you go get along to be a, with. You should go along to get along, just like everybody else. Now you get to be a victim twice. Right. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. When you brought complaints to your chain of command, do you feel that you were heard? Sometimes, like, I remember a time where, like I said, going back to, I still remember this one particular white girl, because she blind <laughs> blue eyes, like, she used to hurt my nerves so bad, because 
she'd get up three o'clock in the morning, do her little hair and makeup, which was fine here. But then she, I just didn't like that she got treated a certain way versus the rest of us. Right, right. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I still remember her name too. Um, but now I will edit that part out though. <laughs> These but, curse words I'm gonna keep in, but her... <laughs> I'm not gonna say her name. But um, her name is a real profanity. <laughs> but I do remember getting an eval one time as a person from even when I was a young military person to even now. Mm-hmm. I know what type of work I am. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I can tell you before you can tell me. But anyway, so at that time, I remember I didn't get, I used to get good, I didn't get a good score that time. Okay. And one of the reasons I believe is because when I brought up the thing that, like, why she get sent <laughs> off if I don't, you know, I made a, I made a big deal about it. So it's because it's not gonna work. We can go to the CEO. Wait, what was the uh, situation that you were talking? So about? when she first checked in on board, mm-hmm. the department where we did a lot of stuff outside, basically chipping the pants. We, like I said, ships general. <laughs> because she's blonde hair, blue eyed, Caucasian mm-hmm. girl, mm-hmm. she just can be in the AC and just be in oh, the shop, just doing admin. And at the time, me and her were the only two females in that division. The rest of them were males. Okay. So what we not gonna do? <laughs> Come on. I said. And so I, I made a complaint. I said, "Well, I want to take this." I said, "If I have no problems working outside, I can be out here with the guys all day, every day. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's you're not gonna do do that. She's gonna be out here too, or we both gonna be in office, or we can take turns. However you want to do it. But I think it needs to be mm-hmm. fair mm-hmm. and equitable because she's Thank you. white lady. Don't mean she, you know, any more special than I am. Like, right. No. So. And I think that was one of the reasons that I got a lower mark that time on my um, evals because <laughs> of my mouth. But what I did do... Because I called out inequality. Right. And, which was hard because, like I said, we were only two females in that division. But still. Yeah. And, of course, she didn't care. She was like, as long as I'm in the AC chilling, I don't care nothing about you. <laughs> but so I, I kind of challenged it. I didn't... My uncle that had been in the military, I was like, so what should I do? Because I think they unfairly, you know, scored me or whatever, whatever. So I did ended up write like a whole two, three page rebuttal. I was like, I want to be routed to the CO, let him sign off. Now they didn't change it. I still was able to put, basically, I'm sorry, my two cents in. Good. On to why I felt the score that I got was not fair or incorrect. But I'm sorry your marks didn't get changed, but I'm very proud of you. But I still spoke speak- on myself. Thank you. Good. Look, if nothing else, they got an earful. Okay. Well, <laughs> at least a, a, a reading fool. They got the eye, eye fool. I gave you a couple of pages if they read <laughs> challenge your literacy here for a second (laughs) there you go good good in the beginning of your career when you needed guidance and mentorship were those resources provided or did you have to seek them out you had to seek them out okay we were not readily available i do remember and this was maybe a once i picked the rate which was medical i did end up um Meeting a guy really smart. He was like, like maybe one rank higher than me. Really, really smart. Really sad. Really good. Uh, uh, rate that he was in. Good at what he did. And he kind of, you know, took me in as when he tried to mentor me a little bit, which was helpful. Matter of fact, it's so funny. Years later, he's a PA, and I saw him <laughs> at one of the clinics. <laughs> like twenty years later. Nice. But um, <laughs> but the opportunities, especially when you're on a ship. I mean, it's just. You dare to work and yeah, get ready to go out to sea, do what you do, and come back. It's not a whole lot of it's not a lot of opportunity. Mm-mm. Gotcha. Were you able to make friends with other Black Lady veterans? Were you purposeful about building your village? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. I <laughs> on my first command. Matter of fact, my first the first command that I was at on the ship. One of my, she's still my friend today. One of my best friends. She's like Good. she's actually. God parents of one of my kids. Oh, but I love it. Twenty years later, we're still friends. I love and it. And then I remember um, my next duty station. I met another. She just was calling me. Another, <laughs> another friend. Oh man, I broke up a black lady moment. <laughs> my bad, y'all. That's not what this show is about. That's <laughs> the one thing. Now I'm gonna say this. That's the one thing that I did appreciate about the military. I have like quite a few friends that I still maintain friendship. Like been friends for twenty years. Love it. Like we still see each other, we still do true. Like it's still like a real friendship. It's a sisterhood. And and even like when I think at my second command, because it was at a hospital, and in the um department or the clinic or the, where we worked at, it was quite a few of us African American girls, and we kind of like stuck together. Yes. We did a lot of stuff, 
you know, professionally, but we did a lot. We hung out outside of work too. Good, good. And I, and even to this day, like I followed up to see what happened, you know. Yeah. Cause I always say birds of felt flock together. So <laughs> it, it's just nice to see that we started out here, but everybody that I was with progressed. Either they, you know, was an officer or nice. retired senior chief, or nice. they got their masters. Like they all, everybody's doing well in our group that we um, had. So it was awesome. Now yeah. that part was awesome. Okay, a group of badasses. A group of badasses. I love it. I love it. Iron sharpens iron. So. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Terry, can you tell me a war story? A story where you were tested, but you came out on top. What's well, to me, this was a test. So, it was, I was up to take, let's say, the E5 exam. Mm -hmm. And it was right when I was up to choose for orders. Okay. Now, during like that six months prior to I had met when, I don't know how the other branches, but like in the military, if you, um, once you pick your rate, you can get like a, do y'all have C-schools in the Coast Guard? We do, we do. So anyways, so in order to do C-school, I had to do OJT and all, you know, all mm -hmm. this extra stuff, which I had, you know, started doing, like shadowing of different people that I, you know, specialists that I wanted to do. But at the same time, at the particular time, one of the bases in North Carolina or something, it had a bunch of female corpsmen get pregnant all at one time. Wow. So it became a hot field building. <laughs> so they were trying to pull all the quad zero medical people, females, they could to go down there to cover, you know, that. And they I were trying like, to get more women to cover the... Yeah. Why? They was all getting pregnant. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, they, they had to replace them with the ones that currently weren't. <laughs> with the Marines, so... But it was so funny because I was very upset. I was like, you know, I've been working hard trying to, you know, I want to, I go to, and then I finally said, look, I told the detail, I told the senior chief master, whoever that time, I said, look, I don't even care about sea school anymore. I said, you can send me to any ship on the east or the west coast. I said, I just don't really, I don't want to go with the Marine. I don't. So still talking, whatever, whatever. I even had, matter of fact, I said the um, guy to end up mentoring me because he made rank really fast. Mm -hmm. Was that a, a brother? No, he was Caucasian. Okay. But sweetest guy. Look. He made rank really fast. So Allies was, are everywhere. He was he was an advocate for me. And it was somebody that's not remembering they were talking to the detail master. She's like, look, that's not what she wants to do. She's a good sailor. This is what she wants to do. And I remember the person, the um, detailer saying, you got two choices. You either go to here or get out. And I was like, <laughs> devastated. Like, are you serious? I remember crying. And I think I, like, I had to take the exam the next day. I'm crying during the exam. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going back to my department and at the time I think she was a 0405 and she was like look you are a good sailor you are a good worker blah blah whatever she said whatever you want you want to do she said if you want me to fight for you to go to this C school I will fight for you if you want to get out I support you she said you Terry you tell me what you want to do and I'm doing whatever you want to do and I think because that they had because I remember the guy said too well you know if you get out of the military now you're not going to be able to find a job like basically so wow I just, they left, they, he left a nasty taste in my mouth. Like, so you're not going to tell me. I said, I didn't join the military. I was like 20 something years old. I said, so you're trying to tell me if I don't stay in the military and go where you want me to go, when you want me to go, I'm just going to like end up being homeless and a bum. So it kind of left a nasty taste in my mouth and it made me, I decided to get out. So, okay. It just, but it lit a fire under me. I'm like, I'm going to get my degrees. I'm going to show you. I can show you, but I can tell you. The military is not the end all to be all for me. Amen. <laughs> and it shouldn't be for anybody. But I just feel as a master chief or whoever, you shouldn't. That's not, especially somebody. And I was telling the 04 or 05 at the time. I was telling her, I said, it's funny to me that you have, and I've seen this a lot in Navy. I don't know about other branches, where you have people that work really hard, mm -hmm. do everything they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. and then they just, you know, get shitted on yep. and then the dirt bags yep the ass kissers come on is the ones that get promoted <laughs> yeah so, like get the promotions because i've seen that right and i've seen it a the, couple of times the good billets there you go and i'm like <laughs> now i don't work my high pot <laughs> and y'all still gonna give me your ass to kiss so mm -hmm. i was like i'll get out mm -hmm. all right that does sound like a win look for me it was i mean at the time i think that was the best decision for and when I hindsight's twenty twenty of course but now I'm like I'm glad I did what I did. I, I, I was a I appreciate the time that I had in the in the military active duty. I learned a lot. I saw a lot like you get the little yeah free working trips. Right. <laughs> so, so I got to see some places that I may not have ever seen if I weren't in the military. Right, right. But yeah, so but I think it was the best decision that I made for me at the time. And I do remember my uncle that was prior Navy, because mm -hmm. I went to him saying, like, what should I do? You know, they want me, should I stay and get out? Because I think at that time I was six, seven year mark. Okay. And he was like, look, 
He said, I never tell anybody to get out. I never tell anybody to stay in. He said, but what I do tell people is if you do get out, what is your plan? Like, mm-hmm. not what you're going to do. What, what are you, like, you got a resume. Are you going to, like, have you already applied to schools? Like, you have to already have something in motion before you just got, don't, don't mm-hmm. just get out of military and then that's it. Like, you have to already act <laughs> And fortunate for me, I had, like, Res- like I, I'm gonna go get on the resume. I'm applying to schools. Like I was already taking classes and stuff, anyways. And I think um, right before I got, I had got accepted to a program. Nice. You know, so I, I was, I was. He said, so I'm not telling you get out or stay in. He said, <laughs> but if you do get out, make sure you have things lined up to go right on. So I think it was the best decision for me at that time. That's pretty solid advice. Do you feel that the way you were treated was improved with rank? You started off at the bottom, and then you worked your way up to E5. Did the treatment improve? Maybe minutely, just because you start to, you know, kind of meet and, and network with other people that are a little higher ranking. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, it changes a little bit, but not a lot. <laughs> like I said, as far as rank, maybe, yeah. But like I said, as far as the, the, the you know, diversity aspect of it, right. like you could still see how you may be treated differently than somebody else that was of a different race than you. That's actually part B to this question. (laughs) Uh, Do you feel that the improved treatment would have happened sooner or more significantly had you been a different race or gender? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to say, I tell people, and and I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be negative. Being a black person, I I didn't say a person of color. I didn't say Asian. I say Spanish, but being a black person in America, come on, we all got our own battle stories to tell. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and I know some, people, especially people that are are non African American or black or whatever you want to call it, they're like, oh, you know, we, you guys have more rights. Yeah, we have more rights than what we had, but it's still a struggle. And I say, even if it's just the we died for the, those fucking the, rights. <laughs> oh, but I'm just saying, what do they call it? It's the um, microaggressions and stuff. Yes, that you experience. You, you. Yes. Now I'm gonna say this. When I went, came, went in, I think in the late nineties, early thousands, it was a little blatant. And but like I said, I think over time it still got worse. Like it's, you would think it would have gotten better. Especially, oh, we had an African American president. It, 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 he didn't make it better. I think he made it worse. You mean Barack Obama didn't solve racism? Darn. No, I, think he, I think he, I think he like beat, shook up the beehive, and they were like, oh hell. So, but, thought um, he got rid of all that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So just and I said even still being affiliated with the military and just seeing certain things, I, I think to me it's just seemed like it's gotten worse. And mm-hmm. like I said, it's it's different. It's, it's not as blatant. It's the, like I said, the microaggressions, the mm-hmm. little things that you see, but it's still mm-hmm. the same thing. You right. know it when you see it. Right. Right. You know it when you experience it. Right. Right. No mistaken. Has there ever been a tough situation that you were in where another sister helped you out or a situation where you helped another sister out? Like I said, the I did have a first class. She was a female. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if I was in third class or something. I don't know. But I do remember now. I do remember her talking to me a lot because she's like, you're a hard worker. You're smart. you whatever, whatever. Now, but, I, but I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like a little rattlesnake. Now, you can't. <laughs> You can't just come for me. Oh, oh <laughs> and I think I'm not going. <laughs> so she did try to like take me under her wing a little bit and try to guide me a little bit in certain situations, which I did appreciate. I even remember one time, which at the time it, it was negative, but when I look back, it was kind of positive. It was um, I think I was when I was in a, working in the wardrobe <laughs> on the um, in the domestic ward, whatever they call it, <laughs> and it was a first class. She was a different rate though female and I just remember and I'm saying this because it's kind of like I remember we, I was working and she had a habit of touching me <laughs> was like to get my attention like was this this wasn't a sister yeah, it was a sister really had a habit of just wow. at, like I can't hear her. like I'm like are you serious right now <laughs> so we normally respect personal space I'm even telling her <laughs> I said such and such and such and such I said, I have no problem doing anything you want me to do. And I can hear. I said, please do not touch me. She's trying to get my attention. She did it one more time. I was going, ah, I did not Oh my God. Oh my God. She looked. She didn't do it no more. I know but she no, did. But no, so then she, then she tried to write me up and I'll never forget. She said, she sat me down. She said, well, I'm, I'm, I want you to stop this because... She said, now I'm not, she said, anything you, I ask you to do, you do. 
She said, you're not disrespectful. You don't talk back. You do what I tell you. She said, but it's your facial expression. I said, my facial expression. You got written up for having a face? All right. I said, so you, you write me up because you don't like my facial expression? I said, well, I disagree. I said, so... That being said, I said, I don't, I don't think I want to sign this. I said, <laughs> let's take this shit all the way up to the CEO and, and tell him to tell me to sign it. I said, if he tell me to sign it, I'll sign it. And she just got mad, took the paper and walked away. Okay. But I said, that helped me the fact that, like, you have to, like, stand up. Because in the military, yeah. you're not supposed to question anything. You're not right, supposed to just right. whatever they say, you do. And that was, that, that, that was never me. <laughs> Good. So, Good. like, you don't like my so I do everything you tell me to do. I'm respectful. I don't talk back to you, but you just don't like my facial expressions. I won't say I don't like yours either, but <laughs> I say I, I was like I don't know how you can write somebody up because you don't like some of their facial expressions. That that is wild. So, but it, like I said, my time in the military, if it didn't teach me anything, is kind of stand up for yourself. And if it doesn't make like I don't just follow orders blind. Like if it doesn't make sense, if it's sound illegal or moral, like I'm going to unfortunately question. Maybe that's why I only did. The many years I that's why I didn't go all the way to the end because I right just can't see myself. And I'm a big proponent of I don't want like I believe in speaking up too because if it's happening to me, it could be happening to somebody else, right? And right. I don't want it to happen, to, you know, it happened to me. I don't say anything, let it go, and then it continues to happen. I'm right. hoping that if I stand up or if I speak up, that it'll maybe it'll break that cycle, maybe that yeah. it won't happen to somebody else. Hopefully, maybe good looking out, Terry. <laughs> so. Good looking out. Thank you. Always feel empowered to speak mm. up for yourself. Good for you. Break, break. And now, a word from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Full Potential Education Advocacy and Consulting. Full Potential Education Advocacy and Consulting supports families in obtaining free, appropriate public education for students with special learning needs. When working with Full Potential Education Advocacy and Consulting, parents and guardians can rest assured they are receiving expert guidance and support in navigating the intricate world of special education. Full Potential Education Advocacy and Consulting aims to ensure that every child receives an education they deserve and families can feel confident knowing they have the support they need throughout the process. If you are anywhere in the Hampton Roads area, you can book a free 30-minute consultation online at www.fullpotentialforlife.org. That's full, F-U-L-L, potential, P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L, the number four, life, L-I-F-E, dot org. You can also call Education Advocate Tanya D. Slade at 757-776-8856. At Full Potential Education Advocacy and Consulting, you can expect consulting with compassion. Break, break. And now, back to the show. All right. Tell me about a time you learned a lesson that you may not have been ready to learn. Well, I learned the military don't care nothing about you. You are no, you are a number. Yeah, yeah. You can make friends and meet people, and but you are when that time when trying to do, you know, maneuver and try to do some things that I thought I would like to do in the military, and then basically saying you either go down here where we told you to go or get out. Like it just made me feel like I mean they don't care. Right. I'm just a number. I'm just a body. Right. To them. So. Right. Which that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I was like, I'm a human. And yeah. and I and I did, a part of me really did love the Navy. It, I really did. Like, I really wanted to give my all to the military. But when that happened to me, I was like, I'm done. Right. You don't, des- you don't deserve that. <laughs> you don't deserve my brilliance. At all. And you had a lot of qualifications and certifications mm-hmm. by the time you got out. Anyways, mm-hmm. like you were really... Self-improvement was the name of the game. <laughs> I think the military, and I don't know about, but they shoot their own selves in the foot. Like I said, the ones that do work hard or are trying, instead of cultivating that, they to me, they kind of like step on you and suppress it and just treat you in kind of way in it. Because right. I know many, many, even officers, like junior officers, they come in and officers of color or whatever, and they get treated bad. And they, they, don't, they don't stay in long. Right. So I, 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 the retention rate is, is, is bad because... Yeah. The culture makes it bad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You got a lot of bright, young, brilliant people that really do want to come into the military to serve and to give back and do all that stuff. But then when you're, you know, treated any kind of way, it doesn't make you want to stay. Right. Who would stay in a bad situation? Absolutely. Not voluntary. Not voluntary. Like, yeah. 
No, I, I got the option Especially to get out. Especially when, like I said, I work in the medical side, so you got nurses, doctors, therapists, you know what I'm saying? It, they don't have to stay in the military. They don't no. have to stay. You can always work in the military. A lot of that I've talked to, they, they come in one, like a lot of so because pay some of their student loans stuff off. <laughs> but the reason I, I've talked to them, they, they really want to give back to, you know, country and try to help. But then when they get treated like pieces of shit. Right. It's like, you know what? If I'm going to get Peter like, treated like a shit, like he's, I'm, I'm going to make more money and I'm going to do it on the outside. Right on. Where somebody's not telling me where to go, when to go, how to go, how long to stay and do You know what I'm saying? I Thank can kind of make my own schedule and rules and probably make more money. Amen. <laughs> Amen. By the time you got out, you were an E5, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you feel that you were a better leader than the ones you grew under? Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, well, I'm going to say this. I, now, I had in any profession or any job, I had some good leaders that I really admire, and I had some not so good leaders. So, like, I, I learned from both. Like, okay. I learned from my good, the leaders that were really good, and I learned from the leaders that weren't so good on not what to do or not how to, you know, how to treat my people better. Right, you right. Know what I'm so, a lot of times, like I said, in the military, they look at you as just like you're just a number in the body, but these are humans. They have families, they have spouses, kids, mother, father, like things, they're human. Yes. And yes. So, <laughs> yes, I understand. We have a job to do mm-hmm. all day, every day, but there are nuances to it. If, 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 if the sailor comes in and this person is normally bright eyed, bushy tailed, working hard, and they come in really upset, or, as a leader, you want to be an intrusively, you want, hey, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on? You know what I'm saying? Maybe something truly going on with this person right. that we need to find out about so we can at least try to assist them right. however way we can. Instead of, but I've met some leaders that they don't give. I told you to do the evening. Say, I don't care how you feel, what you I don't care. Wow. I don't care. I don't care if your if your husband just left you. <laughs> and there goes your retention rate. Not even just retention rate, but they, you know, hurt themselves, hurt other people, hurt people, hurt people. So right. I've seen right. some situations kind of go bad because leadership did not, you know, really engage that person. Mm-hmm. And had they tried to engage the person, it may have went a different way. Right. A better way. All right. Are there any sisters in service that inspire you? Either past, present, any branch, living, dead, doesn't matter. What? what? Um, let me think. So you made oh. friends that you are not inspired by? No, well, I'm inspired by. I'm, like, I'm just saying, well, I thought you meant like that, was high, black lady friends, that were higher ranking than me. Like, I thought you were talking about like leaders. Inspired. You can, just period. Oh. You can get inspiration from anyone. Well, I was going to say, excuse me, a lot of the people that were my peers and that were still friends they they definitely is hard workers they i mean they doing the damn thing like good jobs businesses taking <laughs> care of their family like it's uh, i have a couple of them that i'm just like inspired and then i in and that i even still call we call each other and bounce you know ideas off of each other what do you think about this or confine with each other whatever because a lot of them especially in this area once you do leave the military a lot of them still kind of affiliated with the mm-hmm. government in the military either it's contract civil service or something yeah. so you still you face similar issues <laughs> but not as bad because you're not you know you're not active duty right but right. you may still especially a, 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 a african-american when you say milks you still experience some similar things as far as racism and sexism go mm-hmm. it's just a little different when you so you have to it's different avenues to handle it when you're a civilian right versus when you're active duty right but it's, I have plenty. You know, I have plenty now. I'm so proud. Like I said, just to see that group that we were to where we were, and then where we're not. And now everybody's doing good. Everybody's flourishing, doing good, happy. Twenty years later, I love that. This it sounds like the ending of a really good black movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you were just starting your life out on your own, and you were presented with the chance to join the service for the first time. Knowing what you know now, would you join? Like I said, and you don't even have to join the Navy this time. Well, I'm saying, any, <laughs> like I said, there there were benefits to it. Yes. Like I said, you know, you know, being able to get school paid for. Absolutely. Some of the experiences that I experienced that I probably wouldn't experience if I hadn't went into some of the places. Like, so I, I say, <laughs> I say yes, but I wouldn't like if it was my kids. Like I don't, I didn't want, my, I don't want my kids to go into the military. If they do, they do, but I, I, I don't want my kids to go into the military. It's not anything that you know I advocate for because it's people think, oh, it's military. No, it's not easy. It's hard. The military is hard <laughs> because you think you know on on the outside you go you are nine to five in the military you twenty four seven. Yeah, you may yeah. have work 
you know, eight hours or whatever, but they can call you back at any moment. Yep. It's times you have to stand duty overnight. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's a 24 seven job. You belong to the government. It's a life. And then just the same, like people will come in and they have kids, single parents, or even they're married. Like you have to sign paperwork saying that if something, you know, if we do call your, your child going somewhere, or sometimes you see like, um, dual military, uh, uh, marriages and mm-hmm. one spouse is on the east coast one on the west they try to co-locate <laughs> you but i see it matter of fact i know for a fact i seen for it was a i think it was a teenager master chief but his wife was like an officer mm-hmm. and they had been trying to get in the same area <laughs> for several years and she's still on because of the jobs that he did yeah kept her on the west coast kept him on the east coast how did they even meet if that's the case they must have been very low ranking at the time <laughs> maybe, maybe but they rose and right but because yeah. of the, their their occupation what they did it, it kept them separate for many years so I saw people and then even like just getting deployed not even just on a ship but even air force you get deployed for six seven months at a time that can do something to you people I was like it's the military is not an easy job right, right. We, now it has its moments because we go I see yeah there, there were times where you know, you'd be on a ship and we would be in port and they did try to give us more liberty okay. more than not. Because when you do go out to sea, that is all day, every day, 24 months at a time. Mm-hmm. Then when you get in to sea, you know, we still have jobs to do, but they try to give you a little more liberty to Good. see your family and go home and rest or whatever. But the military is not an easy job. Agreed. Agreed. You absolutely just answered this next question, but I'm going to go ahead and okay. <laughs> If you had a daughter or any young impressionable black girl in your life that you mm. cared about, <laughs> she's already saying no. I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> and she was considering a life in the military. Not even as an officer. Enlist the officer. I don't. Mm-mm. Would you try to talk her out of joining? <laughs> I, I don't know. So I don't know if I would necessarily try to talk her out of it, but I would give her all the probably more cons than <laughs> because I'm like if you. For me, and I had a child really young and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to finish out. I said, if you do what you're supposed to do, and not saying college forever, but even if you get a trade, you do not have to go in the military to do that. Right, right, right. So, and I said, once you do, you can trap. Like, the things, same things that you, the positives that I found in the military, if you kind of go a certain path, you can do that without the military. Right. So. Right. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, want, any, I don't want any of my kids, male or female, to go into the military. Right. If on. I can help it. Now, you did mention that you had uh, a child. Did you have help with with your child while you were in the military? My first child. Um, yes, a lot of family. A lot of help from my family. If it wasn't for my family, like I said, I was on two ships. So if it wasn't for my family, I would have been. Did the military accommodate you at all? No. <laughs> no, okay. I told yeah. you that my first yeah. command, they told me, because the, the person or the persons that had my son initially mm-hmm. couldn't take care of him anymore. So right. I'm trying to figure out, you know, trying to, I'm in a whole nother state trying to coordinate and figure out what, and he was a toddler at the time. And they told me that, you know, my child didn't come in my sea bag. And, I, and not, not trying to help me. And I say, hey, these are some options. Maybe go talk to this person. It's like, I remember they pulled me on the side of the street. Like, let me just explain something to you. Your child did not come in the bag. So basically, we don't care what you do. Wow. But you need to figure out what you're going to do. You signed this dependency care plan. Wow. And because we about to go out to see. So figure it out. Mm-mm. So, and like I said, maybe because I don't know how it is now. Maybe because it was like the late 90s, early 2000s. No, they still heartless. Okay. Yeah. Well. Tra- look, trash is trash. We don't ever okay. take it out. Well, I, well, you would think and hope and pray that evolution occurs for the better over time. When you when you know better, you do better. Hopefully. Do, do you think we're learning? <laughs> you said when you know better, you do better. You think we know better now? Yes, it just depends on the day. Because <laughs> I've seen some things with the military. I'm like, are you serious? Like, right. that's gotten worse. And then I've seen some things. Like, okay, that's it. They're trying. <laughs> Try, try. Air quotes, try it. Yeah, trying. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes all you can ask for is you trying to do better. Right on, right on. Thank you for that positive spin. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of leads into and answers the next question. You are really good at this. Look, <laughs> I, I gave her the questions ahead of time. I gave Terry the questions ahead of time, y'all, and uh, she looked over them because <laughs> she's answering the shit out of them. <laughs> Military taught me how to be prepared. And and are. And I thank the military for that. Look, (laughs) and you are. (laughs) Recruitment and retention is down across all the branches and with all the demographics. Black women are not excluded from that. This was true even before the pandemic. 
Why do you think black women are so disinterested in joining the military? Because how they're treated. Like when you see your Caucasian female counterparts, sometimes it's the microverse, but sometimes you can see the blatant. Right. Like you get passed over for certain mm -hmm. things, no matter how hard you work, no matter how long you work. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the, the disparities and how we're treated sometimes mm -hmm. in the military with our Caucasian female and male counterparts. Right. It's just, it's right. very disheartening. It's like, why even try? Like, I, why stay here? <laughs> it's discouraging. It's very discouraging. And then sometimes even when I've seen um, certain black females try to make certain changes or whatever, and they have a hard way to go and then they get labeled. Like, even if it's a change for, for a better or positive, like, you still right. have to fight against the grain to even make things that will probably benefit the military better. <laughs> If you let it happen, right. but they fight against it so hard because, like I said, I don't care if I say it's still the, the good old boy, good old boy network going on in, in, in the military. So right. they want to keep everything the same way, status quo, mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. good for them. I truly feel if they really did try to work with and cultivate a lot of the minorities and stuff, I think we would have like an even more greater military force. People would want to join. People would want to join and they would want to stay and make it a career. Right. They maybe encourage their children to join <laughs> instead of discouraging them not to join. Instead of having all these, uh, what's it called, trauma stories, stories yeah. <laughs> to pass on and warn other people about. Don't do it. Don't do it. Right. Stop going to jail. <laughs> In many cases, yeah, you know, it feels that way a lot. It does. Yeah. You get talked to any kind of way, sometimes treated any kind of way, so yeah. And it feels like there's no getting out, there's no, no escape, out. just like jail. But you know, I realized too, like lately you've seen, we got a higher suicide rate, and I was like, why yep. is that? Because yep. when I was in, yeah, people did, but it's, it's terrible now. Right. Look, we're taking classes left and right. Like when I left, uh, classes were being offered all the time for uh, suicide awareness and how to talk and people prevention. out of and, and prevention, how to how to talk people out of it. I know that wasn't happening in the nineties. It was, but was not it? at this. I mean, they, people, of course, but not at this. I've never seen it at this rate before. It's like, a, especially in this area, mm -hmm. and it's not even just active duty, but like because I still affiliated with the military. Mm -hmm. It's been civilians, it'd be guns, it'd be at the dude. I'm like, what is going on in the military that everybody's want to take their own life? Like, they feel right. like that's the only way out. Right. So, and then I have heard that they, you know, they looking into it. And like, you see little emails and stuff coming out right, about right, trying right. to, you know, yeah, help try to somehow curb the, from people from doing it. But I just, I've never seen it at this rate before. Like I said, it's, like I said, late nineties, early two thousands. And that's a hard number. Like that's a hard thing to terrible. curve anyways. Like, it is. But why, why is it getting worse though? Like you would right. think that, like you said, over the last 20 years that the military would have gotten better or figured out better ways to, mm -hmm. with their people to help manage their people and take care of their people. But they, everybody killing themselves. Like, right. It's crazy. Right. What was it? Was it the Coast Guard? No, one of the Coast Guard. Was the Army or Air Force? Where one of the branches I saw recently, where it was like a bunch of sexual assault coming out that happened over the last ten years, but it's just not coming out now. This may be the Coast Guard. I think we. I saw, think it was the Coast Guard. I think we saw the same article. Um, I want to say that the Coast Guard, or and I'm probably gonna fuck this all the way up. The Coast Guard is now apologizing for all. <laughs> I thought, yes, it was the Coast Guard because I'm like, well, what happened to the red light, green light, and all the the training we got right. back in the '90s and 2000s? I said, so they just. They like they're now them. apologizing for, for stuff they for oversight and mm -hmm. for things that were happening. not truly investigating, but like you said, blaming the victim, right? <laughs> Doing everything you can to shut the victim up, except the, stopping the predator, right? And those are the ones that make rank, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're making rank because their friends are also predators. That's what you yeah, so All the predators get yeah. to make all the decisions, right? And run all over people. The ones that are the the worker bees, we just get more trauma, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, Terry, if you were conducting this interview from where I'm sitting, what would you have asked you that I did not ask you? I don't know. I guess one of the things that I'm curious to talk to any veteran or retiree is what are, and I think the militia is, what are some of the things since we've been in there, we've been in the trenches, what are some of the things that, you know, looking back, you think we, that we can, you know, tell them, hey, if you did this, it might make this better. You know what I'm saying? What are some of the things that we could say now, since we've been in it, mm -hmm. that we saw that we could do differently or do better to make the military better for um, everybody, but especially 
black women and minorities. Okay. Wait, are you asking me or telling I me am to or to or telling me to ask you? Well, so if you were in the military, what is like That's one or right. two things that you would have like if you Terry is like, interviewing me. No, I'm just <laughs> the I'm tables just, have turned turned off. No, I'm just curious, like because you're and you're quite a bit younger than me, so I'm just curious because like and I said like, I was because yeah. you look really young. Quite a bit younger than me. But Terry Black on crack. Like like for real. <laughs> but just what is like one thing, like if you if they, if Congress said, Hey, to make the Coast Guard better, what are one or two things you would implement or policy you would change to make it better for black women? I ain't gonna say women, I'm just gonna say for black women because you were a black woman. Okay, well this would make it better for black women, but inevitably it would make it better for, everybody. for, for fucking everybody. Because right. <laughs> when you start, when you take care of the lowest, you take you care go. of everyone. everybody. Absolutely. Uh, I would say punish predators, punish people that actually do wrong things. Do punish bad them things. how though? Punish people. Punish they can get a good stern talking to you. You stop it right it's now. Something they That's not a punishment. You know it. That's the good old <laughs> boy. That's the good stop. old boy system. We talk you know to it. him. He's not going to do it again. Stop it, this year. <laughs> We are not putting people in time out. No, I mean actual. But harsh punishment. Uh, punish people in accordance to what they have done. Like, um, I'll say, punish your white officers the same way you would punish your black enlisted people. Because you punish your black enlisted people with no problem. So if they do the same thing, if they th- did the same crime, they should serve the same punishment. If this person is getting out, uh, if, they got, if they were guilty of cocaine usage and you kick them out immediately, you did the right thing. If it's an officer that's guilty of cocaine usage, you should also kick them out. You should not be protecting their career. Same crime, same punishment. But so I'm going to say this. That's not military specific. That's just our culture. Because this is Terry, on the outside. I'm answering the question the best but way I'm, I can. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. I wasn't but ready to be saying. interviewed it's, now. It's, that's why I say I think it's just systematic. <laughs> the same people that are in the military are civilians too at one point. Right. So, and I think a lot of the, the, the policies and certain things are going, it transcends into the military. So, right. on the outside of civilian, as you know, it could be a Caucasian person, a black person, they can do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. but the, the black person, they don't even have to, the black person can do less. Right. And they're still going to get a harsher punishment Correct. than the Caucasian, and it's the same way in the military. You're right. You're the right. same exact way in the military. <laughs> you can do, I feel like you can do more for the military like you can actually like implement that stuff in the military more easily because yeah of course because we're a smaller crowd it's more condensed so absolutely put that in and it will be but it starts at the top though it starts with congress all the way down like if you if they if they would like you say implement policies like it can we don't don't see a color we don't see a color you 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 molested this little i'm just molest this little girl you black you molest this little girl you white y'all gonna get the same punishment i got one for you come on so black male officer junior and a Caucasian male officer, a little more senior, both fraternization cheated, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Both got found out. Mm-hmm. The junior officer got kicked out and embarrassed. We all knew about it. And then the Caucasian <laughs> officer was allowed to finish his last few years and mm-hmm. retire. Wow. Did the same thing. Wait, he was low ranking and he retired? No, the. the well, no, was, no, you like said the, he was junior. You said he was. Well, the, the, the black guy was a little more junior. They were like yeah. one or two ranks. Apart, so the, the the junior guy they kicked out. Right, right, right. The guy that was like maybe a record too high, they mm-hmm. let him stay in a few more years so he can get his retirement. I hate it. He didn't deserve did they, it. Did the exact same. Right. Well, of course not. They did the exact same thing. Right. One got punished accordingly, and one got a stern a talking band-aid. to. Yeah, they got a little. <laughs> he got smack on the hand. And got pulled to the side and said, "And you better not do it again, buddy." For these next three years, you better mind your P's and Q's. You better not do it again, buddy. Or at least let us find out about it. <laughs> Look, and if it happens again, we're going to write you up. We're going to get you to your retirement. <laughs> so, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I think that the punishment should fit the crime no matter what color, race, whatever. Right. Gender. I don't even care the gender. If a woman does it and the man right. does it, everybody get the same. Right. Don't care. That would make the world a better place, make the military a better place. That's for I think it would be a deterrent, though. Like, it would just... It would just make everything a, equal across the board. Across the board. But I think that's just... But if we punish people according to their crimes, white men would start getting punished. And they don't want that. So... You <laughs> see that every day in, in, the, in the real civilian sector. We don't Look at who our former president was. He's still he doing what the heck he wanted to do. And he, and he, and he, was, he was over the military. And he was doing crazy stuff. So... 
impeached twice. <laughs> but, but, but let, but let our, our black president had been anything remotely close to what he did, they would have got his iron pass out of them. Look. And we would have never stopped hearing about it either. Never. We as a people would have never stopped hearing never. about it. Never. The other president that I was talking about, when he was in, and I would listen, that was, oh, that was hard to listen to people talk about po- politics, and especially when, the, when that particular president was in. But I'm mm-hmm. like, you would hear things going on inside the military doing certain things. I'm like, but you got the person that's over there in the military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lying, mm-hmm. cheating, mm-hmm. adultery, like everything you could, everything you could yeah. think of. Yes. <laughs> and he's allowed to do that. He had a bucket Tax list. Of it, whatever you want to do. He had a bucket list of bad shit to do. But he was over the military. All of it. <laughs> but he was over the military, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Terry, if you're done interviewing me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like talking. I like picking I, people, other people's brain. I'm, I'm here for it. Like, thank you. This is, oh, that was dope. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) Terry, is there anything you would like to leave our audience with? I truly believe no matter what path you take, going in the military or not going in the military, you can learn something good or bad. Like from leaders, from people, from experiences, there is something that you can learn that can help you. So, you know, I had some not so good experiences in the military and I've had some okay experience in the military, and I, I was able to learn from both and make it work for me, and still be what I at least what I consider uh, successful. You are fucking so goddamn right. You are. So. <laughs> learn from the good and the bad. Take the good with the bad, and keep on moving. Amen. I'm with it. I probably shouldn't say amen right after saying fucking right. Well, the Lord knows your heart. That's the one of the other things that really irks me about certain people in the military. If if like you said, injustice. For one, it's injustice for all. So if mm-hmm. something is happening to you and it's truly not right, you should try to speak up and stand up because you want to try to prevent that from happening to other people come behind. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big thing. I'm a big proponent of that too. Like, and I, and I always use the analogy, to the extreme. Like if I was raped, mm-hmm. he raped me, but I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna go on my life. I'm gonna get therapy. I'm gonna get married, have kids. But I never say anything. Never. This person never hold accountable. So how many more people he's gonna rape behind me? Right. Versus if I would have made noise or said something, you know, I could have prevent some other women going through the same trauma right. and tragedy that I went through. Right. So, right. You want to try to take care of your fellow man or woman. Right. <laughs> if you and can. It, look, and in situations like that, he may or may not get punished, but at least if you make a noise, make a noise. You're, you're warning other Warn, women. That's right. At, yeah. least, at least I'm firing that warning shot for everybody else to see. I'm with it. Even if it's just rumors going like, you know what? I heard he did it. It'll make mm-hmm. everybody else at least side eye a little yep. more cautious when they're around. So. Right. Thank you, Terry. You're welcome. Damn, this was nice. <laughs> Do I get like a, a prize at the end or something? Um, no. You get a hearty thank you <laughs> and a unstern talking to. Well, thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for yours, Terry. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me in your your lovely home. Thank, thank you for you. taking the time. I know you had to go to work today. No Look, I'm, I'm here for it. I appreciate everything. Look, we stick together. Active duty and veterans. That's what's up. I'm with it. <laughs> I want you to be successful in your podcast. Thank you, Terry. And I want you to be successful in life. Thank you. Bam. Look, hey, y'all, I'm throwing up the heart signal with, like, both hands or whatever. Me I'm try- too. I'm trying to be cute. Me too. All right, it looks like gang signs when she does it, though. <laughs> no affiliation to any gang. Terry is not gang affiliated. Still affiliated with the government, though, if you want to call it a gang. That, that's, the, that's the mob, honey. <laughs> Thank you for this interview, audience. Thank you for tuning in. And we're done. Bye. And that concludes this episode of the Season Vet Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And a special thank you to Terry for sharing her story and taking the time to make this interview possible. During this interview, Terry and I discussed the growing number of service members that are tragically taking their own lives. That's not a subject or number to be taken lightly. If you or someone you know is having a tough time and needs someone to talk to, please always be at liberty to contact the National Suicide Hotline by dialing 988 or texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 to reach a trained crisis counselor. They're open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and the cost is free. Now, if you are or know a Black Lady veteran who would like to sit down with me and be a part of the show, please email me at seasonvetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call or text message me at 713-254-0970. You can also find, follow, and inbox me, the Season Vet, across all platforms of social media. 
at Real Season Vet on Twitter, at Season Vet Podcast on Instagram, at Season Vet Podcast on TikTok, at Season Vet on YouTube, Season Vet on Facebook. Y'all, I'm so out there, I'm even on Spoutable. That's at the Season Vet on Spoutable. Now, if you like what you heard, please like it, share it, rate it, and leave a good review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you're hearing this episode on the day that it drops, then you're listening to it on the 56th anniversary of the Cambridge Riot of 1967. This riot was one of 159 race riots sweeping the nation during the quote-unquote long hot summer of 1967. On July 24th, 1967, the black residents of Cambridge, Maryland began to confront the police while trying to have a protest march that started off peaceful until the police began to get violent. Shortly after the unrest began, a black elementary school was set on fire by the town's white residents. Since the fire department did not respond for two hours, the fire spread to burn down 17 other buildings in the black community. The governor of Maryland, Spiro Agnew, was noted to be outraged by the riots. So outraged that the only people he sought out and punished were black people. If the name Spiro Agnew sounds familiar, it's because that raggedy piece of shit went on to become the vice president under Richard Nixon. Anyways, he died in 1996, and the world's a better place because of it. Today is also legendary operatic singer Adele Addison's 98th birthday. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because she sang the soundtrack to 1959's Porgy and Bess. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, fall out.